0: Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Mark Josephson, founder of Cast Iron, which allows culinary artisans to easily set up a storefront and sell their fantastic food. Mark has also led a lot of companies you've heard of over the past 25 years, including About.com and Bitly, which I used earlier today to shorten some links. Love it. Fantastic all around. You're going to learn quite a bit in this episode, including some of the tips for starting a business during the pandemic, what Mark has learned over a quarter century of living in the internet age. The internet certainly looked a lot different back in 1996 than it does today. We're also talking about some of the ways software and technology can make life easier, some of the trends to be on the lookout for moving forward, and wrapping it all up with Mark's favorite Bruce Springsteen songs, Make Like a Boss, give a little five-star review to Good People Cool Things on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, and then settle back, Maybe, maybe grab some nice food too, and listen to this great conversation with Mark. For people who maybe aren't familiar with you can you give us your name and your elevator pitch and then the type of elevator that we're riding on
1: sure i'm mark josephson i'm the founder and ceo of a company called cast iron you can find us at castiron.me cast iron is a mission driven company we're focused on helping underrepresented under resourced underappreciated underfunded under celebrated entrepreneurs become successful small business owners Our customers, and I can talk more about our business, um, are focused on food. They make uh, incredible um, food out of their licensed home kitchen or commercial kitchen, and we give them all the software, all the tools, all the content, all the resources, all the connections they need to actually start, run, and grow that business. Um, I've been doing technology startups, software companies, internet companies for a very long time, over 25 years, and been part of some fun teams. Um, We've done some cool things, Some of them worked, some of them didn't. And the elevator we are in is beautiful glass elevator. There are um, brass handles that are very well shined. You can smell that they were cleaned recently. And we're going up very quickly. It's an express elevator because we're going all the way to the top, of course. So we're skipping like the first 50 floors on this one to go up to like 50 to 100.
0: Love it. Love a good express elevator. It's the best. Just, ah, oh, it's a great feeling. Ears popping. Oh, yeah. It's like the trains uh, over in Asia that are, like, it's, like, that close to being, like, technically breaking the sound barrier or something like that, where I'm just like, I'm glad this is on a track, because otherwise it could it could go very poorly. <laughs> no, you, I, I definitely want to talk about cast iron, but you've intrigued me. You said some of the... I, the previous endeavors that you have have not worked out so well uh so i'm curious what's kind of your your favorite uh let's call it a spectacular failure that you've had
1: oh god i'll I'll keep the personal ones out and (laughs) i don't know that they're spectacular failures but um you know not every business i'm proud of the businesses that i've been part of creating that still exist and that are built to last so the first startup i worked on was a company called about.com and this was in 1996 through 2003 and .com won, and that business exists today. We took it public, we sold it, it sold a couple more times, um, and it now lives at IAC called dot .dash, and that survives. Um, you know, I ran a company, I ran link shortening company Bitly for six and a half years. Um, that business is even bigger today than it was when I was there, which is awesome, uh, and it survives. Um, I ran a business with, with some colleagues uh, in advertising in an ad network that doesn't exist anymore today. Um, and I guess that's a failure. I mean, certainly a failure because it didn't not, didn't survive, but boy, did I learn a ton from that experience.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the, the most important part of things is, you know, very few people have a hundred percent success rate with everything, but if you're taking stuff from it, which it seems like you are, and you've, you've been able to apply it to a lot of the other things you're doing. I think that's kind of the most important thing.
1: Well, certainly in the yeah. rear view mirror. And yeah. it, when you're going through it, it sucks. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, being honest about what you're good at, being honest at what's working, holding yourself and your team accountable to doing great things um, and constantly asking your question yourself the question, what are we trying to do here? Like, what is the goal? And are we focused on accomplishing that and doing what we need to do, holding ourselves accountable? And for
0: Cast Iron, the goal is to help culinary artisans. Like you were saying, people that maybe don't have all of the resources, but they're making great food. They should be able to deliver it to people and and let other people enjoy it, too. Where did this idea come from?
1: Yeah, it came out of partnership with my initial investors at High Alpha, which is a fund in Indianapolis, and um, you know we were really thinking, trying to look at markets um, that could benefit from software, because I'm a software guy, uh, and it's what we do. And I remember looking at some friends of mine in my neighborhood, one guy who was making artisanal ice cream in his commercial kitchen about 15 minutes away, selling it for $10 a pint, promoting only on Instagram and selling out like that. I knew there was this other I knew this other mom in my town who was a uh, professionally trained pastry chef. Um, This I was in this living in the suburbs when we started the company a year ago um, since moved back to the city. But she was making hot, fresh cinnamon rolls and leaving them on your doorstep on Saturday mornings, (laughs) right? And I was like, okay, there's something really interesting here. And this was peak pandemic. So clearly there were some trends and some tailwinds, but in seeing, you know, restaurant folks lose their jobs and consumer behavior change, the great resignation, move towards independent entrepreneurship, and it just seemed like a no brainer. uh, it's just such a huge opportunity and one you can get really passionate about, whether that's like you really care about these entrepreneurs who need help um, and I've put on ten pounds since I started the company no no joke because I'm ordering everything I see, and it's pretty great.
0: <laughs> do you consider yourself maybe not a full like chef, but like do you enjoy cooking or are you just like now you're sick because you've got all these great folks are working yeah, I love <laughs> to eat.
1: I love to eat. Um, I have a, let's call it a complicated, re- lifelong relationship with food. Um, and now at my age, I need to be a little bit smarter about what I'm eating. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody would think I'm a chef or a particularly talented food artisan, but I do really appreciate and celebrate the joy that can come with food mm-hmm. and the um, relationships and the traditions that are centered around food so I have uh, we have um, three sons in my family and our youngest son has a lot of food allergies and it wasn't until he had those food allergies and we needed to and continue to learn about how to deal with them you realize how many of our traditions in our cultures center around specific foods right like mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving with a all the butter and all the sour cream and all the cheese, he can't eat it, right? Um, you know, the chocolate chip cake that my mother made for my birthday for many years, um, he can't eat it, right? Think about those things and, and how central that joy and that feeling is. It's interesting, Joey, I've talked to thousands of food artisans now, and when I ask them why they do it, it's not for the money. It's for the moment of joy they get when some when they hand the the cookies, whether they hand the pizza, the sourdough, and it's steaming hot, and you you know you crack it open, and the smell hits, and that feeling goes through the your body, and you smile like that's magic. I mean, that's just it's magical, and we all know it. It's universal.
0: Absolutely, yeah. i I'm, I'm thinking now of some of the the food related memories i have and this i don't even know if this is really associated with a holiday i guess it was around christmas but i took a, a friend to a place that i really liked and she took a bite and like almost passed out like onto the table just she she was, it was like that good? yeah she was like this what is, was it it was uh, a restaurant that no longer exists I, it's called the funkadelic funkadelic brunch I, it was out here in austin i believe that they're they're uh, re launching as as something new um but the uh, the thing in particular that she bought they had these uh churro waffles um <laughs> that are just fantastic they have like a little you know honey butter uh, cinnamon icing kind of thing that you can dip yeah. them in and it's just i mean I, I had a similar experience the first time i tried it so i was like i'm i'm happy to witness it from the other side
1: <laughs> yeah look i built and sold marketing technology ad technology advertising and it's awesome those are great businesses. But yeah, like, I mean, I mean, I have I I just had uh, today a a bottle of cold press organic juice from one of our artisans who hand delivered it to my apartment. And I mean, it's like, uh, it's amazing. I mean, like, it's just (laughs) like, I can't believe I get to work on this business with these customers who are creating these kinds of products. It's, It's a dream come true.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. And and one of the things I noticed like in looking at some of the other businesses that you've had, like about dot com, bit.ly, and it looks like cast iron as well, are all kind of uh, maybe not based fully around, but are strongly uh focused on the concept of simplicity. Like you can get with cast iron, you can get the storefront up in minutes bitly i mean i use that all the time like i'm <laughs> i can get a link that doesn't have six thousand characters in it which is always, always welcome and so it seems like simplicity is, is kind of a focus of yours because you're not trying to you know overcomplicate things but how do you ensure with like all this software all this technology that can sometimes be super overwhelming for people how do you keep it so simple
1: yeah we talk a lot about that at cast iron it's one of our core values for our product um is around simplicity and it's one of the things that um, if we do it right it's a superpower and if you don't it actually has the like exponentially inverse uh and in, you know um impact and makes it incredibly harder i think whenever possible um, you need to understand your customers as best you can so you know we know our customers we know what they look like we know what the kinds of computers they're working on we know what kind of bandwidth we, they have we know how they're spending the rest of their time And then we know that they're food artisans. We know they're making desserts or we know they're doing meal prep. So there's certain assumptions we're allowed to make and then advance the product in that regard. So if you can take three clicks that, something that takes three clicks, oh, I'm a baker doing cookies and their chocolate chip and saying, what kind of cookies do you make, right? And you just jump them to a level and you advance that is one way to do it. And obviously, you know, When can you, you know, reducing, sometimes simplicity is also about reducing the options that you have and constraining choice. Mm -hmm. Sometimes too many things feels like a benefit to the customer, but really giving them fewer choices actually helps you get a better result. Nice.
0: Yeah, I feel, I I was actually just thinking about this. It's might have been earlier today. I saw an ad for like a video editing program and I was like, I'll check it out. I always enjoy that. And it was a pretty... It was a simplistic, uh, you know, menu of choices to kind of like build your personality out, but it went on for. It felt like too long, and then mm. at the end, it was like, "All right, now sign up before we even like tell you anything." And I was just like, mm, "I don't know." That was my favorite.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, the best the best products grow with you. So as you start to understand them better, and as your business starts to get bigger or better, then the product opens up to you at the same time. You want to go do something and you're like, oh, wait, I can't do that. Now I need to buy the next version, Mm -hmm. which is the right way to do it because you can align your value with your customer's success. Um, You got to be aligned with them as they grow. And that means starting small sometimes uh, and and being okay starting small.
0: Absolutely. And obviously the past two years, I look different. Than, than everything that came before it. Is there something that has surprised you, whether it's uh, through running a business or you know the marketing or even just like communicating with customers or anything that has surprised you about launching and then running a business in the pandemic?
1: I mean, every day I'm surprised. I think broadly uh, it's been really interesting to see how many people are driven to create their own business opportunities and to be self-reliant. Um, I used to sell to companies and people inside of companies and build for um, for those kinds of folks. Now I'm building for independent one-person shops and the line between their home life and their business life is sometimes non-existent. And, you know, there are, I saw the stat, there's 65 million people in the United States who classify themselves as entrepreneurial. And that doesn't mean like, you know, people on the coasts like me raising venture capital and doing things like that, which is risky, but not like you know risky risky. And and here are these people, our customers, who you know a lot of them don't have don't have other choices for careers, right? Like they might be in rural markets, or um, you know maybe a plant closed and went overseas, maybe jobs got you know the internet happened to their jobs or something. And they need to put food on the table. And that's like unbelievably motivating when you hear the stories of how hard these people are working. And that's surprising to me. I'm continually surprised at how much work it is to do something that they thought was going to be much easier.
0: <laughs> I find that's a, a common refrain in life. Probably. It's right? like, oh, this should yeah. be like five minutes. And then two hours later, I'm still struggling through it. <laughs> exactly Right. Or as perhaps you can hear in the background, I think, <laughs> oh, surely my dogs can be quiet for 45 minutes. But no, alas, alas they, just, alas. they miss their dad. It's fine. It's fine. Something else that I think is is interesting is you obviously have a lot of experience just with the internet in general, and you've seen it kind of evolve. And back when, when about.com was starting, like, I mean, let's do the math. I was eight then. So like, I didn't I, I didn't know what the internet was. I think maybe I got AOL Instant Messenger within the next like five years. And that was kind of that and Slingo are like my earliest internet yeah. memories. So how have you, I mean, this is probably a loaded question because it's like, how has the internet evolved over over your career? But how have you kind of like evolved your, I guess your e-commerce um, and sort of like online strategies over that time?
1: Yeah, I think broadly the internet it, it obviously has been totally transformational to everything. And the things that it hasn't transformed yet, it will. That's why I'm not gonna, we're not going to go off on a crypto um, you know, NFT rant here because <laughs> um, I'm not necessarily feeling that, but the push towards techn- technology driven um, decentralized applications is very real it happened to bookstores, right? It happened to restaurants. It's happening to, you know, you name, t- to TV, to radio. It's going to happen to money too. It's inevitable. I think it's going to happen to everything. It's inevitable. And I think the probably the 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 biggest f- biggest factor in it that I see and it relevant to our business but to all others is how technology can level the playing field. And the it is not entirely level, of course. But anybody with an opinion can start a podcast today. Anybody with an opinion and uh, anybody anybody with a um, uh, you know you can, you can create a course and sell courses. anybody can create a TV show, anybody can create anything they want and, and do that online now with the technology that enables that. And so when it comes to e-commerce, why do you have to open up a restaurant? to sell food why do you have to you know take on the rent and the overhead and the 50 employees and the liquor license and the and the the all the craziness that goes with all that why if you what your goal is is to deliver amazing food to somebody that makes them happy and healthy like it's inevitable
0: in the folks that you've been working with like these entrepreneurs that you've seen is there kind of a consistent, either a consistent challenge or a consistent uh, thing that they're overlooking that you think they should be doing more of?
1: Yeah, well, cons- pretty consistently, folks get into it because they're really great at making something and they, they have a passion for it. And then find out that they're spending 75% of their time on marketing or back office or financing, chasing down orders, chasing down payment, going back and forth with customers, all the things that software and technology can really solve for them. So that's like our business opportunity. The other thing that we also see a lot of is people not pricing their products the right way. Um, it's almost apologetically like, well, you know, should I be charging $50 for a dozen cookies? And yeah, you should, because you spent, first of all, your cost plus your time, plus the artisanal value of that and and encourage using, we we look to use data and community and other data points to help reinforce the opportunity to increase pricing and things like that. But when you're a solopreneur, it's nerve wracking to raise prices. It can be anyway.
0: Oh, absolutely. As a writer, I feel that anytime I'm raising rates, I'm just like, hey,
1: here well, they are. <laughs> if you're not getting, if you're not getting told no, a good general, a good piece of advice that we use is if no, if nobody's telling you you're too expensive, you're not. So you can raise your prices and get more no's. as long as you raise your prices enough, you still come out ahead.
0: I like that. It's gonna be that's gonna be one of the quote graphics that comes out of that. There you go. I like it. We'll <laughs> make the mental note of where it is at the emphasis. <laughs> 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 a question that I always like to ask. Uh, is a question you wish you were asked more frequently, and for you, it's
1: what are you most proud of? I've been married for twenty. I'm married in nineteen ninety nine. It's twenty. It's two thousand twenty two. Yeah. So that's twenty three years married. Nice. Congrats. Um, with my wife for m- many years before that. We have got three boys: 19, 17, and fourteen. They all still like me. They're all good people. <laughs> uh, exceptional people, and. um you know, I just celebrated my fiftieth birthday surrounded by people I love who love me back. Like that's pretty pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So great. I'm I'm proud of that.
0: What was the what was the meal for the fiftieth birthday?
1: Uh steakhouse. Nice. Really good steak. <laughs> really good steak. You know, when you get turned fifty you can't really like have steak every day. You gotta space it out.
0: Yeah, it's not like a <laughs> Just a random Tuesday. It's like let me. No, you got to win an
1: award or something, right? Employee (laughs) of the day. I'd like to say so. If we can do it every day,
0: I remember I had a during right before the pandemic started. I had signed up for a gym, so that lasted about I don't know two and a half months, and then I was just like (laughs) I can do this at home, and I probably not as well as with a trainer. But I I remember my trainer was asking me about what I was eating because he's like I don't know if you're getting enough protein, et cetera, et cetera, and he said that every day he had a steak and brown rice for dinner. Hmm. And I said, and I was looking at him and I was like, you don't look like you're 21. Like that seems like this is probably not uh tenable <laughs> over the long run, but I don't know. I kind of want to check in with him now. It's been 2 years and be like, "Hey, do you have to change that diet or what?"
1: <laughs> we'll see. Well, certainly when he hits I don't know how old he is, but when you or how old you are, but when you hit 35 everything changes and then when you turn 50 the world tells you you got to change it up so can't
0: wait i remember my experience i remember actively between 19 and 20 feeling worse like physically like i'd go out to play basketball and i was like oh i'm getting tired a lot easier and i look back on that now and i was like you had no idea there's there's so much i like
1: i like having my my three boys are pretty health conscious or certainly aware kids these days are just so much more aware of what to eat and what not to eat and I'm just like, dude, eat whatever you want because you're a teenage boy. Like, it's all okay. It's gonna change. There's gonna come day when you can't, but right now's the time to to do it. Have another cookie. Yes.
0: I would have a bagel and cream cheese every day after school when I was growing up and it was (laughs) fine.
1: Is that is that bad? Because I'm still doing that. Oh, I mean I I would still
0: do it if I lived near a bagel shop. (laughs) <laughs> you're in New York. You've got, mm-hmm. I'm sure, within like... Plenty. Yeah, spitting distance. You've got eight, eight different places. We do, places.
1: <laughs> we do. We've tried them all. <laughs> yeah.
0: Since you've, you've got such a, a strong grasp of software and you've got a lot of experience with it, is there something not a lot of people know about in software that you're super excited about?
1: I, well, I don't know if people, what people know and what they don't know. I hope, maybe let's just say cast iron because I want more people to, to know about our business. Love but it. no, I think, about, I well, I could tell you that I think that um i do think that decentralization i do think things like decentralized um autonomous organizations which are starting to figure things out i do think there's something about nfts but not what we're seeing today because today it's silly in my opinion but what's underlying that is like how to define and know what's real and what's authentic and that's universal and like i said before the internet and technology is happening to everything and so to say well why should it be just what i can hold in my hand is what has value um and that i know that it's real and so i think that 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 there's something underlying there that's going to be really interesting to watch
0: yeah i agree on the the silliness of nfts in their current state and it's always interesting to read stories of people you know shoving each other out of the way for something that maybe they they can't even like authenticate that it's it's the real deal. I which is always always well, fun. Well, <laughs> if you if you
1: go back to your question about how the internet has changed in my career, um, I mean remember the websites you were on in 1996, 7, 8, 9, 2000 and how different the experience is today and now looking back at how simple and silly those might have seemed. And now you, you know, it's it's immersive, it's everything. And we take it for granted. Back then, I trust me, there were a lot of really smart people saying this is not a real thing. It's silly. It's not real. And so, you know, I, I think if anything, it's looking at those things. Uh, and I feel the same way about crypto. I'm not. I'm not. Again, I'm not going off on a thing on it. But the <laughs> decentralization, technology enabled, um, the internet's happening to everything.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking of my. Uh, I remember my sister and I made a GeoCities website and. Right. you know, with just like I think it was like music blaring as soon as you pop on yeah, and like the right? the mouse with the like uh text that flows behind it. The, the,
1: and you know, that was groundbreaking the back, back, back then. Yeah. Work in progress like that yeah. <laughs> website under construction. Yeah. Oh, so good, so good. <laughs> the best. And things change. I wonder what we're doing today that we're gonna look back on and laugh at, because it's gonna happen <laughs> for oh,
0: sure. Absolutely. I'm I'm very curious to see. <laughs> Got to make a time capsule. You'll have September to tell year. me. I'll yeah. be I'll be long gone by <laughs> then. You have to
1: tell
0: me. We'll draw. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be like podcasts for for uh, the deceased as well. So we yeah, can for dead people. We'll get
1: <laughs> <Totally>.
0: <laughs> now with Castern specifically. Is there? We always like getting scoops on the podcast. So is there something that you're working on that you can publicly talk about, or is it all hush hush and we'll just find out later in the year? <laughs>
1: uh. We're, we actually had a really um, animated discussion today about our roadmap and the things that we're working on and the priority of them. Um, we are getting ready to, and probably we'll see soon, a new, this is so boring to anybody other than people who build stuff, but like, <laughs> you know, a better and more customized uh, sign up and onboarding process. I know that's like yawn uh, for anybody who's not doing it, but like for me, it's like, it's your first chance to, it's like when someone opens a door in a store and walks in, like you, you or walks by, it's your one chance to start that relationship, and we obsess over that. So that's inside baseball and probably not <laughs> at all interesting, but you know.
0: No, I love, I love imp- seeing important. how the sausages may. It's, so. <laughs> yeah, that's what's good. All right, Mark, you're almost off the hook here, but we always okay. like to wrap up with a top three and. Typically, I let the guests choose this. And you did your top three Bruce Springsteen songs. So what you got?
1: Yes, I came prepared. Okay, <laughs> So uh, top three um, in this order. The first one is Blinded by the Light. The first song on Greetings from Asbury Park. It is the first, his first album. Um, Mad Men, Drummers, Bombers, and Indians in the Summer with a Teenage Diplomat is the opening line to the opening song of Bruce Springsteen's first album. And it changed the world from there. And uh, you, there's no looking back. Number two is uh the E Street Shuffle from The Wild Innocent and E Street Shuffle, his second album and my favorite album. And um Sparks Fly on E Street when the Boy Prophets Walk in Handsome and Hot is the opening line to that one, and it just has got the groove that is like contagious. And the third is um is No Surrender, um, off of Born in the USA because it's i be- I I've just it you know, I have a brother that I'm you know is my best friend and Um, you know, my friendships and those relationships, and you swear blood brothers against the wind, and, you know, you just, loyalty is everything to me. And so that really resonates with me, those three songs.
0: Fantastic. My mom is also a very big Bruce Springsteen fan, so I will uh, stack up her answers. We'll see. Yes. See if there's overlap. Did you see uh, Blinded by the Light, the movie that came out a couple years ago? Was that, were you like, you could insert yourself in that, and it would be... Uh, say, obviously uh, not like the overseas element. But like. <laughs>
1: um, no, but I think that, you know, we could do an hour on the universal messages and poetry of Bruce Springsteen and how um, he speaks to me and my soul. Uh, so I do, I, do, I do, there's parts of that that definitely resonated with me <laughs> and still do.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, I think just yeah. when, when a musician hits you like that, it's just like, it's un, unlike, I mean, it's, <laughs> It's a kind of comparable to the the food thing that we were talking about of just like that. It, it just hits you in such a way that you can't you can't replicate it.
1: Yeah, you can't. It's everything. He's everything.
0: <laughs> so if people want to learn more about you, learn more about Castar and maybe debate you on your Springsteen choices, where can they find you?
1: Uh, they can come to castiron.me or hit me up on Twitter at, at Mark Josephson.
0: Love it. Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming on. This was great. I, I'm i glad we're doing this right before dinner because I'm going to enjoy a great meal now and it's going to be magical.
1: <laughs> enjoy every minute <laughs> and thank thank the person who made it for you.
0: Yes, absolutely. It might be me tonight, but yes, I will I will give myself a pat on the back for hopefully a job well done. We'll see. It could, uh, I'm sure. could end up poorly. And of course, we've got to end with a corny joke. As we always do, tried to keep it a little rock and uh, cooking themed here. But why doesn't Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day let anyone else in the kitchen while he's cooking?
1: I don't know. Why does he not let anybody into the kitchen while he's cooking?
0: Because he walks alone. Yes. Good after does. It today, people. <laughs> Good people, cool things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you're a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show you can send me a message joey at good thank you to all of the guests who have been on good people cool things and check out all the old episodes via GoodpeoplecoolThings.com. as always thank you for listening and have a wonderful day